Hello and welcome to Page Parlay. This is the show where we speak to the authors whose work we read on scintillating stories. Today we're chatting to Katrina Scott about her writing process and her short story, Silas Boggs. Hello, thanks for speaking to me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Lovely to be here. Would you like to give a brief summary to the listeners about who you are and what you write? Well, I started writing plays in the second year of my undergrad. I had a few plays performed at uni, um, and one of them, uh, I revamped it, gave it a new title, went to the Fringe. Uh, then since my undergrad, I've done a postgrad um, degree in playwriting, and now I'm actually working in a theatre in St Andrews, and I'm still writing plays in my spare time. Uh, so I mostly write plays, but I also do a lot of uh, writing uh, online for what are known as online RPGs, and that's where uh, this particular story slash monologue came from. This is a very uh, particular type of writing that you have very kindly read for us. And I, I suppose I would describe it as a thriller. What led you to writing a thriller-type monologue? Uh, I must confess I've been reading an awful lot of Stephen King <laughs> um, during this lockdown, um, including, and not limited to, The Stand, It, Night Shift, thinner the shining for the second time didn't somebody uh, comment at your writer's night that, that, what was it they said they said you've definitely been reading too much stephen king <laughs> i'd started at this uh, online rpg called devil's tattoo which is where silas's character um lives i guess on the internet um, and uh, my first character there was actually not silas uh, it was actually a chap called gabriel who's the uh, local mortician because i have a theme but actually, i've been reading a lot of uh, caitlin doty is that how you say her last caitlin name caitlin doty oh yes I'm, I'm planning to reread smoke gets in your eyes um but i've recently read um will my cat eat my eyeballs i've been reading a lot of her stuff so that was kind of inspiring the idea behind him of being sort of mortician who's looking for the, the good death who who wants people to face death not with fear but with confident about it and not approaching it in a sad scared way having, having this particular character my brain then went this is a bit you know off kilter for us we need to get weird again <laughs> <laughs> and then i thought "Ooh, here's an idea i could do the guy that digs the grave in the churchyard while I was thinking about how I would create this character, there was another player on the site um, who had, for over a year now, they'd been looking for somebody to play a character who had killed uh, their character's father. And they didn't know anything about this character. All they knew was that they were a guy and they'd shot the dad and also injured their character. And I said to myself, I, well, I said to them, would it be weird if I combined your idea with this idea I have for this um, groundskeeper, this grave digger. And they said, hell yes. <laughs> uh, so basically the idea came from, it, it was a combination, it was a little bit of the character of Jack Torrance in The Shining. For those of you who don't know, haven't read the book or seen the movie, um, he's basically, he's the caretaker at this creepy hotel, um, which ends up possessing him and he tries to murder his family. And overall, yeah, Stephen King, uh, Jack Torrance, killer, that's basically how Silas came to be. Aside from uh, Stephen King, did you do any other research for the, this style? Um, I watch a lot of true crime stuff on the internet. And there's a particular channel, um, I believe it's called Deadly Women. In an episode, they'll have three stories of three different women who have killed. And they always have a kind of 
um, actors playing the roles of the people. So while there's the narration going on and it's, you know, um, I don't know, Susie shot her husband in the face or whatever, then you, you don't, you don't see, you don't see the face getting shot, but you do see, you know, her with the gun and stuff. It was one of those that really stuck in my head, which was where there was a woman, I believe it was her husband that she killed, and she chopped him up uh, with a chainsaw. I think she'd put all of the body parts in a bag and then put it in a bin, and then it was obviously found. The, the visual of this actor with a chainsaw just clearly stuck in my head. People are fascinated by things that frighten them. What do you think of Silas as a character? I mean, I'll be perfectly honest, uh, not to freak the listeners out or anything, but of the characters I've created for this site, he is my favourite one to play. And I think the reason for that is because of uh, kind of the way that he sees the world, among other things. He calls himself a heartless git. Um, (laughs) He's called himself a monster. um, And he's the fact that he's fine with it. Like, he, he acknowledges, yeah, no, I mean, that was probably not the best thing to have done, but it, they deserved it. Which, it, it's Whoa. just, it's, um, I don't want to say anti-hero, because he's not an anti-hero, but it's that perspective where, where you look at something from a, from a perspective you wouldn't ordinarily look at it from. Like, me as a person, if this happened in real life, I'd be going, lock that man up, <laughs> throw away the key, um, you know. But writing as him, he's very, he he's honestly he finds a lot of situations amusing that really aren't funny like he himself says he's a bit warped he's got a weird sense of humor um so i think that's part of what i think of him as a character as even though he is a monster he's a horrible person there's this thing where it's like yeah but he's kind of funny though (laughs) he's the character that i come up with lots of ideas for and things just because he's got such a messed up backstory it's just ripe for further investigation bodies disappear in the desert and in you know just in the wild and why sometimes bodies just aren't found because they other animals get them so quickly because there's so many opportunist hunters and scavengers so i'm to be honest i'm not surprised they didn't find them because especially if they were already sewn up sewn (laughs) if they were already sawed up oh god completely different horror story there if they were already sawed up then i could imagine like a raccoon would take one one way and a bear would take one the other way it's not not only would the flesh be devoured but the bones would be scattered and probably cracked to get the marrow and so, so i could i could really see how easily it would be for those bodies to just disappear you've written so much you've written so many really wonderful things and uh i want uh, on a more general topic uh outside of the monologue what do you think are some of the ingredients to a good story gosh um i'm gonna borrow from my uh playwriting mentor here uh nicola mccartney shout out to nicola the main point that i would always say is that conflict is action um that's what she always drill into us uh, so for a story, you got to have some conflict. Like you can't just have a story about some people going for a walk, going for tea, and then going home. You know, that, that, there's no story there. Unless there's conflict going on underneath the tea. Uh, yeah, like was the tea poisoned? I mean, who knows? <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> you have a tea with Silas, me. probably. Uh, conflict, I'd say, is the main point. And also, I think, um, uh, I guess it's kind of obvious, but what kind of springs to mind is the importance of getting the character's voice right like i look back at my one of my first no it was my first play actually i look back at it and i go flip you know all these characters sound quite similar 
uh, just in the way they speak. There was some characters I could have easily amalgamated to be one character, but there was two of them, that kind of thing. My main two takeaways from this ramble would be the importance of conflict and the importance of a clear uh, character voice and for them to have a clear purpose and not just kind of, today I went for a walk and had some tea. It's kind of like, today I went for a walk to meet this person to do this thing. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I can see why these things pop up in stories over and over again. Shit, we need conflict. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when I was first coming up with this character, I was saying to my, my friend on the site, I said, you know, him killing his wife for an affair, that is such a cliche. And then the more I thought about it, and the more he was kind of present as I was writing, and he went, no, 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 that's what I did. And I was like, all right, well, how are we going to make this not cliche, buddy? Um, <laughs> and he said, that's simple. I'll poison her with antifreeze, chop her up, and dump her body in the forest. And I'm like, I mean, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> to be fair, well, not to be fair, like, uh, it's one of those things where um, what happened to you as a child does not excuse your behaviour as an adult. The ad drunk parents, um, violent parents, uh, violent youth, frankly, you know, having fights with the siblings all the time, his sister getting hit by a truck. So he's had a pretty, pretty rough go of it. And um, not to alarm our listeners, but um, the very first part of the monologue was actually uh, taken from my own childhood. Oh my god, you actually bit your brother. I did. Uh, <laughs> I bit him. Because uh, basically, he he was one of those babies who uh, he wouldn't stop crying unless you were hugging him. And so Aww. my mum eventually gets him to be quiet, puts him down for a sleep. And obviously I don't remember this very clearly, but allegedly... <laughs> I um I went into the room where he's having a nap and uh they'd been disassembling my pram and making it up for him and putting his stuff in it. And apparently my logic was, oi, that's my pram. So I chucked his stuff out and then I went and bit him. Because how dare he usurp my place. We're we're cool now, we're fine now, but um <laughs> you grew out of it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're fine, I think, hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> I guess this uh, sort of leads me to my next question. <laughs> Writing can be an emotionally draining and stressful job. Yep. Uh, do you have any tips for aspiring scribblers? So I guess my first bit of advice would be, you know, don't, I don't know, it, it feels silly to say not to force things because obviously you can't just wait around for your inspiration to strike because that's like one of those cliches, you know, you can't just wait for the muse, you actually have to work at it. Find that muse, take her out to a bar, buy her a drink, treat her nice. <laughs> that being said, uh, something else I learned with my playwriting class was that the actual process of writing things down is only a small percentage of the actual process. There's so much to be uh, to be done in terms of uh, reading um in terms of uh, planning, um, in terms of just like just doing something else, letting your mind wander and something will come to you and you'll write it down. Even though you're not actually putting words on a page or typing words on a, into a document, that still is part of the process. It's a very important part of the process because if you just kind of sit down and go, right, I'm going to fill this page, you just kind of, it's not going to come from necessarily, I guess, the best place. Um, it's going to feel forced. If you're gonna write about the sort of stuff I write about, either use incognito mode or clear your browser history. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> because, frankly, looking up, can antifreeze kill a person? And how long does it take for body parts to decompose in a forest? Like, that sort of thing, I'm probably on some kind of watch list. 
well, not a fun fact necessarily, but I learned facts when I was Googling that, um, including yeah. the fact that antifreeze actually tastes quite sweet. And so that's why he ended up putting it in her whiskey. But yeah, no, my, my, my advice would be don't force yourself to write, but at the same time, I suppose hypocritically, don't wait about, um, but always constantly kind of be, have it in the back of your mind, kind of be reading stuff to get inspiration, uh, to get ideas, um, watch documentaries, that sort of thing, uh, and also clear your browser history. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Oh yeah, no problem. It was lovely to speak to you and I apologise to our listeners if I've upset them or not traumatised them in any way. I didn't mean to. <laughs> they're strong. They're big, they're big boys, girls and others. I'm sure they can handle it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Your auntie Cass is looking out for you. Even if her characters aren't. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Katrina Scott. No problem. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. You can read more of Katrina's work on her blog, where she reviews novels at thebookwormreviews.wordpress.com. This has been a Yorick Radio production.